Hello and welcome. Get ready for a new episode on Weight Loss Simplified, the must-listen-to podcast for women over 40 who are tired of struggling with their weight. Whether you've been stuck in the yo-yo diet cycle of gaining or losing the same 20 pounds for years, or have recently put on weight and just don't feel good in your own skin, it's time to put an end to the confusion and frustration and make weight loss simple. Learn how with weight loss expert Jennifer Powder, your host of this podcast. Well, hey there. Welcome back. This is episode number two on the Weight Loss Simplified podcast, and I'm super glad you're here today. Why? Because I'm diving into one of the questions I get asked almost all the time, no matter where I'm at, and that is, Jen, why is it so hard to lose weight after you hit 40? Is it true that it's hard? Is there a biological reason, a physiological reason? I mean, what is really going on for women in weight loss in their 40s, 50s, and 60s? What creates the challenge? Now, before I dive into that, I want to make sure I invite you to connect with me on Instagram. I'm having a ton of fun sharing inspirational and motivational content around health and weight loss, and I would love to get to know my listeners over on on that platform as well. So uh, definitely feel free to connect, ask questions, let me know who you are, that you're listening to the podcast, and even if you have a question that you'd like me to answer, um, I'd be happy to bring that to the future episodes. All right. So does weight loss really become more difficult after 40? Well, the answer to that is yes and no. It's yes, but not for the reasons that you think. And it's no, because if there's, if you actually understand both the science of fat metabolism and then the emotional and psychological factors that play into creating behavior change, permanent behavior change, well, then weight loss doesn't become challenging or is no longer a challenge. So that's fantastic news. So that means uh, if you're out there and you've just been feeling at your wits end, you know, if you've been losing hope, um, starting to worry that maybe this is never going to be something that you can achieve because you've done it all, tried it all, all the diets, all the things, well, then you're hearing good news today. It's never too late. You're never too old. Uh, The best time to learn how to lose weight in a different way is right now. And I'm going to assume that that's actually why you're here. So on this podcast today, I want to talk about some of the biggest weight loss myths that I see holding women back from creating success in their life. But I also want to talk about what are some of the environmental factors that are at play here. So let me just share my take on that. I write about this extensively in both my books. Um, But, you know, a long time ago, we did not have the same kind of access and 24-7 availability of food. You know, even in my own neighborhood, I, there's a convenience store half a kilometer away or just under a mile away that I can easily walk to any time of day. It's open till 11 and they stock all the things, you know, the chips, the chocolate, the pop, the candy. Uh, There's a grocery store in my neighborhood that's open till 11. There's numerous restaurants and takeout places. I've, you know, there's all the apps, Uber Eats, Skip the Dishes. I mean, There's places that are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, 50 years ago, even 40 years ago, that wasn't the case. There were stores that were closed on the weekend or on Sunday. Stores actually closed their doors at 6 p.m. If you didn't get it, if you didn't have it in your house, you couldn't get it. Now, what that means for us is as the world has changed and specifically, you know, these last few years, months for, for many women have been really challenging. And 
there's like this demand for quick, uh, quick results, quick food, we're busy. Um, if you're in your 40s and 50s and 60s, chances are you found yourself not just taking care of yourself, but other people as well. And in fact, I think that what happens is our ability to take care of our own self. And I talked about this in the first episode for sure, but I'm going to touch on it again. It actually is the thing that creates our weight loss challenge is the slow, steady decline of prioritizing our own self-care, making sure our own needs and wants are being met and addressed. And somehow it's very common for women to go, you know what, I'm going to get to me later. I'm going to take care of me later. Once the kids are taken care of, once I've done all these other things, then I'll look after me. But have you noticed that there's always just new things to look after? There's new demands, new, new things that get put on your priority list. And that to me is one of the biggest reasons women in their forties or after the age of 40 have a hard time losing weight. Could it be hormonal? Could it be the influence of some perimenopausal or menopausal challenges? Possibly, but truly in all of my experience of working with over thousands of women now, it's never the thing. The thing that blocks women from losing weight, well, there's two things. One, a lack of understanding about their own unique metabolism, their metabolic requirements, and therefore a lack of understanding about the impact of the food choices they're making on their body and their weight. And then it's the emotional reasons that we're eating. Right. So all of the unconscious or we're just not aware sometimes of all of the things that we're doing, the handfuls, the extra glasses and how it impacts the body. So let me share with you. Let's just go into some of the biggest weight loss myths. Right. So one of the ones that I hear a lot is, well, my body's broken or I have a bad metabolism, Jen, or I have a slow metabolism. And what's crazy is that. If I perhaps hadn't worked in a metabolic lab, which I did for two years, I've measured metabolisms on so many individuals. And in all of that time, never once did I see a bad or broken metabolism, even if that person had a history of chronic dieting or yo-yo dieting. What I saw consistently were uh, metabolic values that were completely appropriate for the age of the individual, the gender of that individual, how tall that person was, and their body composition. Okay, so body composition refers to, um, you know, the amount of fat mass you have on your body and the amount of lean muscle tissue. So never once did I ever go, oh my gosh, this poor person, they've got a bad metabolism. No. What I saw was that they were arguing with their metabolism. They were blaming their metabolism. And now here's the thing for women. We have to understand that weight loss isn't, isn't this like personal punishment. If you are someone who is five foot four or, or under, well, then you're going to have a metabolism that's appropriate for a smaller, a more petite individual. The other thing I hear is, oh, well, if I'm really, really overweight, then I must have a, a slow metabolism. And here's the crazy thing that happens is over time, as you put on weight, your body also had to put on skeletal muscles so that you could continue to function, so that you could continue to walk. 
And so actually you probably have a metabolism that's working in your favor. What's not working in your favor is the body composition piece of things and where the emotional hooks and triggers in your life are getting you, which creates the, in, the ability to remain inconsistent to whatever weight loss goals you, you have. So that's the good news. Okay, the good news there is, fantastic. Your metabolism is probably working for you. You just may not be doing the things to support it in the way that it's getting you the result that you want. The other myth that I hear so much is, and women come to me, you know, barely eating breakfast, hardly having food during the day. So this idea of like, eat less so I can lose more, which is very much a dieting approach, right? If you've ever been on an ultra low calorie diet, a diet that has you omit a ton of different food groups, it's like we start to really shrink the quantity of food that we're having and start to possibly skip meals. Maybe you're skipping breakfast and lunch so you can have more for dinner later. But the problem with this is when you are not nourishing yourself throughout the day, not only do you have the physiological effects of not eating properly, such as mood swings and energy crashes and, you know, that 3 p.m. blow where all of a sudden your sugar cravings and your need for coffee, it just goes through the roof. But you also get irritable and short with people and you can't make decisions well and brain fog and, and there's all of this stuff happening. And then you get home at whatever time or the, the, the age old question of what's for dinner hits you and you just don't even have the energy to put the effort into cooking. And so the answer becomes takeout again. Or while you are cooking dinner, if you're like, no, I'm going to cook tonight, maybe you're eating a box of crackers at the same time because you just feel like you're starving. So the eat more or the eat less so you can lose more approach. If you've ever done it, you know it doesn't work. And what's happening there is there's this fear of food. There's a lack of understanding around food. It's like we start to make food the enemy instead of realizing that the real enemy is in our mindset and belief systems and the approach that we're taking, which again, this isn't your fault. It's probably been a, an influence. You've been influenced by the dieting industry and these sexy, highly marketable messages that are out there that create faulty expectations of what weight loss should be like for you. Losing 15 to 20 to 30 pounds in a month is not good. Okay. I don't care who you are. It's not a healthy approach, nor is it a healthy expectation. If you've ever lost that weight, my guess is for you, that weight came piling back on real quick. The other thing, so myth number three is that carbs are bad and make you fat. So many women, and maybe you're one of them, are terrified of carbohydrate. And that's where the keto diet became extremely appealing. All of a sudden you've got this, you know, if you thought or saw a friend who was doing keto and dropped some weight quickly, you thought, oh, I'm going to do that too. And then you adopt this ultra low carb fear of carbs, um, basically, and a really high fat diet. And then anytime you did eat a carb, you would see this jump on the scale and go, oh my gosh, I'm, uh, you know, carbs are making me fat again. I got to cut the carbs out. 
Now, what I refer to is I always say that women, um, a lot of women suffer from keto rebound, which is they do it for a while, they get the weight loss result in that first week when they've cut carbs, because when you cut carbs, you also cut uh, or decrease your intracellular body water. So let's be clear, when you see that initial big weight loss, you're not just losing fat mass, you're also seeing a change in intracellular body water. Now, the reason that um, we, the problem with carbohydrate isn't that they're bad, it's that they're simple and quick and they're tasty and they're salty and they're chewy and they're, what happens is carbs are quick and easy. So sometimes when we're desperate, we go and grab this simple and easy thing. So it's not that carbs are bad, but what happens is, is we tend to be as women protein deficient. We don't, you know, all of a sudden go, you know, gosh, I just feel like a chunk of chicken and boom, it's in the fridge. And that's what we feel like snacking on. No, it's like, we're hungry. We've under ate all day because we're following myth number two, which is eat less so I can lose more. And then when we do feel hungry, we will just human nature says you're going to go to the quick and easy thing and carbs are easy. So what happens is we lose our understanding of how the, of what the function of healthy complex carbs are in our life and for our body. And instead we become very reliant on processed, simple carbohydrates, which are like are a direct it's a direct mainline for increasing uh, our blood sugar imbalances because of the amount of glucose we end up having in our bloodstream after a massive consumption of simple carbohydrates like candy or um, any kind of processed food that's high with carbohydrate counts, but low with any kind of protein macro or fat macro. So this is where our understanding, like when you know better, you can do better. I'd really believe this. I've seen it over and over and over again within the first two weeks and four weeks of my programs with my clients. It's like all of these light bulbs are going off. Their ahas are huge because now the science of food and of their metabolic requirements are finally coming into sync with each other. They're all of a sudden balancing out their protein and fat intake and managing in a much different way their carbohydrate intake not only do they say weight loss happen, they feel good. They start to feel good throughout the day and have energy at three o'clock and, and all of those, you know, good things. So th that's a really big one. Um, and I'll keep talking about this as episodes go on. So if you're like, okay, Jen, but what are the good carbs and how does that work? Don't worry. I'm going to get there. You just got to stick with me here. Now, perhaps one of the more insidious myths, and for sure, if you listen to episode number one, this is the one that got me 10 years ago, was I, in spite of having, you know, eight years of education in this area, I really did fall victim to the move more, eat less approach. I thought, truly, 100%, I thought the only way I could lose weight was to exercise more. Now, back then, my kids were little. I, um, I was already sleep deprived. I had adrenal fatigue. I had a lot of things that were not going on well for me. And I thought, okay, I'm going to put my body through some sort of crazy extreme exercise regime. And that's going to be the thing that creates the weight loss. Well, it didn't. In fact, I was so starving after those hard, intense exercise sessions. I had zero energy throughout the day. And the problem when we become as women over-reliant on exercise as a weight loss vehicle, 
the minute that something else pops up in your life, like the kids get sick or you get sick or you've got to travel or you've got company or you've got to um, whatever, some a deadline for work. So often I ask my clients, what's the first thing to go? And they say exercise. Why? Because we have not yet learned how to stay committed to our commitments. And so we'll immediately revert back to the behavior that says, hey, I'm going to give up doing what's good for me so I can take care of you. Now, chances are this isn't a conscious conversation in your head. It just happens. So I've got so many women and I, I say that they get stuck in weight loss purgatory where they're trying and trying and trying to do all the right things. And they're putting in time with boot camps or classes or on their Peloton. And yet, nothing changes. And then that leads to the conversation in their head. Like there must be something wrong with them. It must be a metabolic thing or a hormonal thing or, uh, then they get frustrated and think, forget it. I'm not going to care about this right now, but, but they do. And that's the problem. You know, the first episode was about this idea of being on the wagon, off the wagon. And I'll never forget. I had one client who said, I'm not just off the wagon, Jen. I've fallen so hard off the wagon. I'm like bruised and bloody lying in the ditch. And I've been there for months. That's the problem with thinking that you have to be on something, on a diet to achieve weight loss success. Now, those are the most insidious myths. I know that there's a lot more out there, but I wanted to set the record straight on those. And then I now want to share with you what has been one of the most life-changing metaphors for the women who've read my books, who are in my Facebook community, which is this basic visual I'm going to give you, okay? So listen up to this one. Chances are you've seen, or maybe even you have a cat, like a kitty cat, like meow, like a cat that's just a little house cat. And I want you to get the idea of that kitty cat in your head, okay? Now, chances are you've also been to a zoo or maybe you've had the privilege of going to Africa and you've been on a safari and you've seen a lion, right? A big, massive, muscular, powerful lion. Okay, so now imagine the kitty cat and the lion are sitting side by side. They're the same species. Which animal needs to eat more food? It's not a trick question. The lion, of course the lion does. Why? Because it's bigger. It has bigger metabolic demand, right? It requires more energy for all of, for every reason. It's got more muscle. It's a bigger animal. It needs to eat more, okay? Now, what would happen if that beautiful teeny tiny little kitty cat started to eat as much as a lion did, what would happen to the cat? Well, it would get fat. It would put on weight. Why? Not because it has a bad metabolism, but it's way overeating for that little kitty cat's metabolic requirements. What you need to know is if you're a woman listening to this, you are a kitty cat. And you are living in a lion-sized world. Restaurants serve lion-sized portions. Anytime you go to a grocery store, everything in a bag, a box, or a jar is a lion-sized portion. Even take a look. If you live with a man as your partner, you're living with a lion. And you may have, over time, started to take lion-sized portions. When you take lion-sized portions and you're just a little kitty cat, 
but you're taking those lion's eyes and you're eating those lion's eyes portions day after day, week after week, month after month, your body has no choice but to take the excess energy that you're consuming and store it as fat. That's what it does. Anytime we have, we take in more than our body needs, our fat cells are like the trash containers in our body. They're like, oh my gosh, she's taking in more food than she needs right now. We better store this as fat. Fat on your body is simply a stored energy source that's there to go to use for you at any time, as long as you give it the right signals. So that, I, I hope you find that relieving and it may be a little bit funny and you, you, you know, it changes your, your view of yourself. A lot of times women, if they've been overweight for a while, the last thing that they consider themselves to be is small or tiny. Instead, I hear words like I'm huge, I'm gargantuan, I'm, I'm obese, I'm massive. And we forget, well, that's just your body's physical representation right now, because actually you're just a little kitty cat. And for whatever reasons, you've been eating like a lion. As you start to think of yourself as a kitty cat and check in with yourself and ask yourself, is this a kitty cat portion or a lion size portion? And yes, you may need to do some work and figure out what proper portions are, and I'll help you with that. But that is a huge understanding. And hopefully right there, you just had an aha. Now, that doesn't even talk about, you know, so basic facts is maybe you have been eating more like a lion lately at your main meals. When you go to a restaurant, you finish every single thing that's been put onto your plate. Um, that's not even going into some of the mindset stuff and habits that we've developed. It, it's just talking about the main meals. But let's go back in and talk about emotional eating and how food is getting used for a variety of different reasons beyond just physical hunger. So, and then again, you have to remember, this goes back to the very first part of this, which is we have 24 seven availability of food processed food, like all the sugary, carby things that I mentioned, like cakes and cookies and donuts and pies and ice cream and all of this stuff is, is all, it's all available to us. And so emotional eating is basically using food when we don't need it. It's not when we're hungry. We're using it to fulfill some sort of emotional craving that we have. And whether that's to be distracted or to uh, numb out, just chill out, have some me time, all of that stuff. That's part of what we have to address if you want to lose weight for good. It's just a non-negotiable. So one of the things, and one of the things that I, I like to make sure we understand is, you know, how it works is, I, I said, if you're in past your 40s, you've probably gone through some hard in your life, right? And whatever that hard is for me, it was leaving my marriage. It was being a single mom. It was looking after my mom who was not doing well. It was financial pressure. It was all the things, right? And so I started to crave rewards in my life, pleasure, uh, comfort, distraction. I wanted an escape from my life sometimes. And so because I didn't know how to give those things to me in other healthier ways, I turned to food. And so what part of I, I part of what we have to do is go, okay, what are my witching hours? You know how if you've got kids or if you're an auntie to somebody who's got young children or your sister's kids, you, you'll see them when they have just real fussy times. It's like that a mom would say, oh, it's the witching hour. Well, 
you have your own witching hours as well. And those are the times where it, you just feel like you need something to eat. It's when you have an energetic low, um, a, a mood, a mood thing going on where you feel cranky or irritable, or you just feel this pull towards the fridge, towards your kitchen. And it's like this, it's like this, oh, you can't escape it. And it feels like it comes on sort of slowly, or it can just come on like that. It's like, oh my gosh, I crave French fries or, oh my gosh, I just, I want, I want uh, pizza. And before you even give yourself the chance to think about what's going on, you're dialing the like closest pizza joint. So with emotional eating, this is the biggest thing. Like I didn't understand this. I thought emotional eating was binge eating where someone would go to the grocery store and they would put like chips and ice cream and cookies and all those things into the cart and then come home and eat it all at once. That's what I thought emotional eating was. And so when I didn't identify as an emotional eater at all, quite frankly, it was only with hindsight that I became aware that I was one. So this is where we have to understand that, you know, it can begin with a very specific thought um, about wanting something, or you may go, oh, I've got a craving for uh, an ice cream sundae, or I've got a craving for mac and cheese right now. You're going to have a thought. Cravings do come on very quickly and intensely. The funny thing about cravings is typically what I find is it usually means there's a deficiency somewhere else, namely in the area of protein consumption. But there can be this desire for um, the soothing, right? And so a lot of the emotions that women tend to want to use food to provide relief from are things like anger or stress, frustration, being overwhelmed. Uh, even what's ironic is you can feel so unhappy and disgusted with yourself. And then that will create a trigger and a desire to go emotionally eat because it's awful to feel these things when we don't know what to do with them. And for so many women, our feelings have gotten trapped within us as opposed to allowing an emotion be energy in motion where we feel it and we process it and we release it. Instead, for many of us, we were taught to shove it in, suck it up, push it down. And one of the best ways to push it down and stuff our feelings down is with food, right? Well, no, of course not. It's not the best way, but it's a very common way. And that's why we have to do the deeper work and go, oh my gosh, okay, am I overweight? If you are, you have to go, okay, yes, I am. What is going on or has gone on in my life that has created the habit of overeating for me? It is one of the hardest questions, you know, to ask yourself, but it's one of the most life-changing questions to ask yourself. And here's the deal. If we want to create, if you want to create a different outcome in your life, you're going to have to start asking better questions of yourself so you can get better answers from yourself. This is an example of a bad question. What's wrong with me? Oh my gosh. What's, I mean, I hear that. So what, what's wrong with me? We, we, we personalize it and somehow bring in that shame and that like, oh my gosh, I must be flawed somehow, instead of saying or asking a better question, which would be, what's one thing I need to know about myself that would help me make healthier changes or decisions at night? What feelings am I too scared to feel right now? And here's the deal, what we're often seeking, we're seeking things like relief and distraction and a sense of calm, 
We want to avoid, I was the queen of using food to avoid some of the emotional realities of my life. And frankly, I just wanted to escape at night. You know, that me time when the house is quiet, the kids are asleep, no one's around you, you're exhausted, but you decide to stay up anyways. And then you're sitting and watching maybe your favorite show and boom, you're like, oh, I deserved, I want to have some, I'm gonna, I deserve a little bit of something sweet right now. I'm going to have a treat. Right. So I wanted to reward myself for what I thought was, you know, getting through the day well or, or any of any of those things. Um, and sometimes we're just looking to have some fun. You know, if you're lonely, food can become a great companion. It asks nothing of you and it's always there for you. This is emotional eating. This is what we have to start to dig the roots up on and expose them so that the actual change you're seeking in your life can happen. Let me just share a quick story with you. For me, these stories are so powerful because what I know and what I want you to start to remember and believe is if, is if one woman can do it, so can you. If one woman that you hear about that I share a client story of, you know, was in a similar situation to you or had similar thinking that you have right now and she created a weight loss transformation, well, then you can too. I love them because I think it's so inspirational to hear of these stories. And so let me tell you about Nancy. Nancy was a client of mine. She was a principal in a high school and basically her weight loss issues started when her mom took her to a weight loss or weight watchers meeting back when she was about 11 or 12 years old. Now, to be clear, Nancy did not have a weight problem when she was 11. She really didn't. But her mom by taking her to a weight watchers meeting it planted a seed of believing that she was flawed. There was something wrong with her. She was obviously overweight or why would her mom be taking her to this meeting? Now, for any of you, if you've ever had a mom that was a dieter when you were little, who made different meals or never ate with the family, who, if you ever saw her closet binge eat, you have to understand that that has an imprint on you, just like it did for Nancy. So at 11 years old, she began this, um, this painful cycle of yo-yo dieting of where she would do everything possible to avoid food. Uh, really, she probably had a number of disordered eating habits that she engaged in that would be typical to um, anorexia, although she was never diagnosed with that, but very food avoidant, counted the calories and everything. And then through periods in her, in her life where she would just she, as she said, I would eat anything that wasn't nailed down to a table. So she would just eat and eat and eat and eat. And her weight would then grow. It would get bigger. She would get bigger and bigger. And she said, you know, by the time she met me, she literally had eight different sizes of clothes in her closet. Uh, everything ranging from her, what she called skinny mini clothes to her morbidly obese, I'm disgusting clothes. And every day, every day, she never knew where she was going to be. You know, she knew she wasn't skinny mini, but she always had this hope that maybe from what she had or hadn't done the previous three or four days that she'd see 10 or 15 pounds gone. Literally, this was her belief system. And as we worked together, you know, Nancy came to me, um, well, in, in tears. I mean, let's face it, this is not, these are painful feelings to live with. And it's not uncommon, you know, to talk about something so 
and deeply personal, where often we are carrying the burden of what it feels like to live life in this body. And we're, we're shouldering the experience of it and the pain of it on our own. Chances are your partner, your friends don't know that mean girl conversation in your head. You're the only one who has privy to it. So when Nancy came to me, she was always on a diet, off a diet, on the wagon, off a wagon, good or bad. And what she was smart too. And you know, she was smart, like intellectually, she understood that what she was doing was harmful, but she just couldn't seem to change her ways. And this is the thing, right? When we're addicted to a habit, whether we know it's a habit or not, it just becomes a way of life. We become accustomed to a way of living. And so therefore it becomes our normal. Just because it's normal for you does not mean it's good or healthy, but it does mean you can change your normal and create a new normal. What Nancy and I had to work around to was that instead of, instead of being in this cycle of chronic overeating and undereating, we needed to normalize her metabolic reality, her understanding of food, and not live in these constant swings, you know, swinging from a size four to a size 14. Um, well, that's, it's just so hard. And so instead, what felt good for her? I mean, the questions I asked her was what, at what point in your life did you feel so good in your body that it was, you, know, you enjoyed getting dressed, you had some sense of peace and calm in your mind where you weren't stressing and obsessing about food. You know, and she struggled for a bit with that question and finally said, you know, back when I was 38, I'd had my kids, I was healthy, I was active for some reason, like those kids helped balance her in terms of she was feeding them. And so she was doing good things for herself. But then she was back on the career track and focusing on advancing her career. And again, that slip off her priority list happened. What was incredible was Nancy got very quickly that there was a pain, the pain of living her life, feeling the way she did about herself, the stressing and obsessing about food. She became very, she was done. Like she was like, I'm done with living like this. I just want help. I want to change. And when you have 30, 40, 50 pounds to lose, what you have to promise me is that you're going to give yourself the gift of time to lose that weight. It did not come on in just one or two months. And therefore you need to give yourself more than just your patience and commitment to one or two months and let your body start the healing process. Because there's gonna be so many things that, you know, step-by-step, day-by-day, you focus your attention on. If you do that, all it means is your weight loss journey is gonna take a little bit longer, but the time is gonna pass anyways just like it passed for Nancy. So Nancy went on to lose over 45 pounds within a year. Wasn't a month, wasn't two months. She wasn't perfect. There was no concept of perfection that we were striving to attain. It was just getting balanced, feeling like she was living like a normal woman with food, feeling like she wasn't in this constant emotional swing of good, bad, on, off, right, wrong to this day. So that happened five years ago to this day. Nancy cleared out all of those, what she called her morbidly obese, disgusting clothes. She got rid of her skinny, mini, chronic dieting, deprivation, never eating clothes. And she has, she, she knows what she, she has that middle group of clothes in her closet. 
and she loves them. She knows what, what fits. She loves to get dressed every day. She knows what she's eating. She feels in control for the first time in her 50s. Now, that's going to be possible for you too. I realize we're only on the second episode here of this podcast and you might be like, well, I don't know, Jen, but listen, stick with me. I've got lots more to come. If you know that you don't want to wait week by week for these podcasts to come out or, or for this information to be shared with you, and you're already curious about wanting to get some support or help with your weight loss goals, well then absolutely go to www.jenniferpowder.com forward slash apply and answer a couple of quick questions for me. So my team and I can take a look at who you are and where you're at in your life and where you want to go. And if it feels like a fit, we'll reach out so that we can talk. And it's never too late. You're never too old. Your body's not broken. Sometimes you just can't see. It's like we live with blinders on and we can't see our own stuff. Sometimes we just need help and that's okay. In fact, I think it's brave. Um, I used to get a lot out of struggling in my 30s. And now if I know that someone can help me get somewhere and not have me struggle as much or waste time or I'm spending time on my own figuring things out, but doing it wrong, well, then I'll take it. <laughs> Otherwise, listen, I want you to tune back into me or into the next episode because where we're going and what I had to do with Nancy was really work on breaking the habit of dieting. And trust me, if you've been up and down with your weight for years or decades, then you better believe um, you're going to want to tune into this episode because whether you realize it or not, it's very easy to become addicted to dieting and learning how to break that habit can want to be the, it will be one of the single most important life-changing weight loss changing things you can do. So till next time, bye for now. Thanks for listening to another episode on the Weight Loss Simplified podcast. If you loved today's show, share it with a friend and then go to iTunes to subscribe, rate and leave a review. To access additional free weight loss resources, head on over to www.jenniferpowder.com. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode.